This is the one with an interferometer. Bubble wrap beds. A walkabout into the afterlife. Three billion frogs. And three earthlings. It's called Four to Doomsday. Here Here we we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Thalan, Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Well, hello, wonderful people of podcast land. I hope you are doing awesomely and sitting comfortably for another episode of Who Back When? A Doctor Who podcast. Or Dogpast. Oh, my, that was such a wonderful voice I heard there. It must have been from that equally wonderful body belonging to Leon. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Holy moly. All right. Talk about being objectified. Yeah, that's me. I'm Leon. Hello, Podcast Land. Hello, Jim. Hello, Leon. Yes, I'm Jim, by the way, if you didn't know. (laughs) Podcast Land. Hello. Hope you're doing well. Podcast Land, if we sound different to your ears, it's because we're using a different podcasting, like podcast recording platform today. Apologies if we've sounded like utter horseshit up until now (laughs) during lockdown. But we are now on a different platform and we've spent literally the entire evening (laughs) just drinking and figuring it out. (laughs) (laughs) So either we figured it out or we're just too drunk to notice. (laughs) That's right. Well, let's just hope that we can keep it together for C118 for to Doomsday, because that's why we're here. <laughs> that's, yes, for to Doomsday, which we both finished watching tonight. <laughs> yes. So it should be fresh in our minds, but I have already forgotten most of it. I will have to refer to that. <laughs> oh, I feel like this is mega fresh in my mind right now. And I am pumped. I am mega juiced up to talk to, to you about this serial. Oh, exciting. I think I'm slightly over the bar of it's okay. <laughs> really? Only okay? Because, I, I, I don't know, maybe the cereal is a vegetarian. I, I was going to say, I want to take this, <laughs> this cereal out for a nice steak dinner. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I want to really treat it right. <laughs> I want to take my time. I'm not even, I'm, like, we might hold hands and kiss. <laughs> but, I mean, we're going our separate ways. But the second night, holy moly, I am <laughs> this cereal. Because <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, whilst that imagery settles in your mind, Podcast Land, You're welcome. Why, don't, why don't you also settle in for a lovely bee scout? <laughs> <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize, so take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview, this free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. A failed attempt to visit Heathrow Airport and get rid of... Uh, sorry, drop off Tegan, leads to Vitardis materialising aboard an alien spacecraft. Doc quickly establishes how little faith he has in his new ragtag crew and goes to check things out all on his lonesome. And gee whiz, isn't this craft full of some lovely high-tech buttons and panels? It even has funky spherical drones that would make Skagra jealous. More importantly though, it's safe for the rest to crawl out of Vitardis so long as everyone wears their bike helmet plus mouth guard. It turns out the ship belongs to a race called the Urbankans, green and slimy reptilian humanoids, some might even say frog-like, that have a minor obsession with collecting random humans throughout Earth's history. So far, they have an ancient Grecian, an ancient Aboriginal Australian, an ancient Mayan princess. 
and Bert Quark. <laughs> oh, wow. They must still be missing someone from their collection, though, as they're on their way back to Earth and will arrive in four days' time. Doc and Cole need to quickly work out if the Urbankans are friend or foe, or their arrival spell Doomsday. Peace cow over. You are welcome. Oh, aren't they just... Wowee and then some. <laughs> I mean, w- wait, before we even jump into introductory questions and all that, those shenanigans, Bert Quark is in this. Bert Quark is in this. I did yeah. not expect that. <laughs> no, no, right. The second he showed up, I mean, I'm kind of assuming that we both had the same reference, mental reference. It's obviously Kato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Possibly the only time I've ever I've ever seen him outside of the Pink Panther. I'm not wearing a hat. I'm wearing headphones. How can I wear a hat at the same time? But imagine I'm not wearing headphones and I'm wearing a hat. Hats off to you, sir. So, where are we starting? <laughs> I'm really buzzing. These th- This martini combo is really hitting me. <laughs> do you have a place you want to start with this? I don't know if I do, really. You're probably going to have something you need to get off your chest. I do have a number of questions. But I want to really clarify, because all of my questions are basically there to highlight something dumb about this serial. And before I ask any of those questions, I really want to say, I love this serial. I thought it was incredibly good. It was high concept. I found the doctor good. And at some point, we're going to probably twist back around past all the negative stuff that we're going to make fun of. But, but I want to say this up front. I love the serial. Like, <laughs> I'm starting on, on a super high. So, that said. Okay, yeah, yeah. There are some questions. At the very end, Doc throws the poison at the monarch. The poison that shrinks people. Yeah. The monarch shrinks, and that's it. Now, rewind to the very beginning of the serial. When they are looking around, possibly when they have first exited the TARDIS, they see a device and Adric goes, hey, what does that thing do? And Nissa says, it increases density to reduce matter, like the doctors. And Adric's like, oh, that's ridiculous. And Nissa's like, mm, is it though? Is it? As though almost to imply this is Chekhov's <laughs> density increasing device. But then halfway through the serial, we're introduced to this poison that basically does the same thing, but in an organic way. So why not just yeah. use the machine? That's a very good point. <laughs> Or could there maybe be a connection between the two that I am missing? I'm not sure. Like, I can't recall what they were... I'd made the same note about Adric and Nyssa looking at machinery and saying... And Nyssa explaining that, yeah, it, I forgot which way around it is. Reduces... It increases density to reduce increases matter. Increases density to reduce matter, yes. Mm. So I take by all those mms that I didn't miss anything and that they basically set up the same plot device twice. Because what would make more sense is that they look out the window, they see this device, they describe it, and then dock that device at the end. Or they look at the window, they see the poison, they go, what kind of poison is that? And they're like, oh, that's a poison that reduces the size of shit. And then at the end, they use it to reduce the size of the monarch. <laughs> you know, that's a perfect bridge. So why have two things that do the same thing and only use one of them? That's nonsense. Yeah. No, I think you're right. (laughs) I have another in fact on top of this that really annoys me, even though I love this, and I'm probably going to give it something really, really high. (laughs) The only reason the poison works on the monarch is because the monarch, it turns out, is part organic. The poison only works on organic matter. But the machine in the beginning would on machines as well. And up until the point, as even as Doc is throwing the poison, he must believe that the monarch is a robot or an android. I think Doc says that he at least suspected 
that the monarch was not the robot he might appear to be? I call horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was it was said like it was a bit of a gamble. But you no, you you're know absolutely what right. Have been a gamble. <laughs> yeah, using <laughs> the machine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm looking at the transcript actually, because immediately after throwing it, Doc says he needs the atmosphere as much as we do. Like actually, he's not questioning it. It's like he needs it. Yeah. Okay. It, it's only it's only this kind of like he's partly organic, which I uh, that's that's more nonsense to me than Doc. Yeah, because why isn't just part of him shrinking in that case? Well, <laughs> but that you know, does he had make a, sense. Had a pacemaker though, and every, everything else shrinks and, and you know, <laughs> he dies because <laughs> like his a... pacemaker is still normal size. <laughs> But actually, you know what? That makes sense because there is that there's the greenhouse that produces oxygen. Why would they even have the facilities to produce oxygen if they don't need it? That kind of makes sense, actually. Maybe I take it back. Okay, yeah, so you know what? Strike that initial question. That's nonsense. Strike it off the board. This episode, this serial can do no harm or can do no- <laughs> nothing wrong. This no. is perfect. You've raised a very good point, which I hadn't even thought of, which I can note down as a negative. <laughs> okay. What is with those space helmets? Come on. They are <laughs> top shelf ridiculous. <laughs> I thought the helmets looked fantastic, but did you were, were you bothered by the fact that they looked naff or they looked cheap? Or were you bothered by the fact that you could just put on a helmet but otherwise not wear a spacesuit and fly around in space? I mean, th- there's no seal between the helmet and, and your clothes. Yeah. You just it's like you yeah. you're putting on there's a hat. No seal. This and... is a space hat. <laughs> And then there is a mouth organ roughly in front of you. <laughs> yes, great. Love it. Love every part of it. I thought this... <laughs> Here's another series that I watched as a kid. Battlestar Galactica, original BSG. Their helmets, when they were in the spaceships, were also just like... you put on. They were like a motorcycle helmet, but without the visor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there wasn't even glass in front of them. There were just lights. And there was no seal or anything else. And you know what I thought as a kid? Believable. So, <laughs> in 19... Where are we now? 1982? I think so. 1982. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, not just 1982. In 2021, I'm looking at it and I'm like, that's sound science. Sorry, olive time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the olive equivalent of a mic drop? <laughs> sound science. Eat olive. <laughs> <laughs> You, you can't know what? Can't question me anymore. I mean, in olive. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the olive has spoken. So I think it may be down to aesthetics. So what is it that bothers you about the helmet? Yeah, just the fact that it's meant to be breathing apparatus, and it's it's not causing any kind of seal to like get oxygen into their system. There's no display of oxygen tanks or anything. And it's just like, yeah, it's like a, a crash helmet and it's tre- it treated as in, such. It clearly has built-in oxygen. I'm, I must protest. It clearly has <laughs> built-in oxygen tanks because at some point, I can't remember who, it might be uh, Let Bygones Be Bygones, who says, hey, you can take off those helmets, conserve your resources, like conserve your air. We've already, yeah. like there is an atmosphere in here. So I clearly, think it, like there's I a think finer amount of air. Yeah, I think Bygone says that. And I think Nissa actually shouts at Adric at one point that hers is running low. Oh, there you go. But, so what's your yeah. beef, man? <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> no, I, I, I take there's, your point. There's it's some kind valid of point. compressed oxygen tank. We're using a technology we don't understand. Fine, whatever. Yeah, but and at least wibbly wobbly. Like maybe it creates a force field around but at least you know, have the Tegan, your... can't tegan be a bit freaked out that she's not gotta put her mouth around a like breathing apparatus or it's you know it's a... <laughs> yeah finish that sentence all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh 
or you know the the helmet itself isn't what you breathe forming your... a seal. <laughs> you don't? I know what you're saying, but there's there's not just that. What about the hands? Like the rest well, of no, your it's... clothes aren't they do vacuum packed. But they go into detail. Like this seems to be just lack of oxygen. It's not that you're in a vacuum. It's a uh, going onto a space station that doesn't have life support. Oh, it's so still there's not a lot of oxygen in there. Yeah, it's still not, not exposed to the vacuum of space. That that was my kind of feeling. Or, or like you are in some other environment that has different um, chemical elements in the air. Okay, and that would let you breathe. That's fine. I could buy that. You know, if if it somehow sealed off the supply of air that humans need, great. You don't need gloves because then they they do go into space, and maybe we'll pin the fact that doc is just floating around in space yeah we need we need to talk about that scene because that scene is both absolutely redonkulous and absolutely redonkulous but in brackets i mean this in a good way yeah so yeah we absolutely need to talk about that adric adric has to put on a spacesuit to go out there yeah that's true that's yeah exactly yeah it's kind of satisfying its own in-universe logic but it just wasn't presented well enough i really needed someone to say ah but where isn't all the oxygen going to escape? And Doc go, ah, oh, no, there's a force field. And it's like, fine, right, dealt with. Now I don't have to look at this every time and going, oh, yeah, put your bike helmet on. That'll save your breathing. <laughs> <laughs> fine. <laughs> Okay, gripe over. Give me something else. <laughs> I think historically speaking, just to make a quick note on that, I think historically speaking on who back when, perhaps I've been slightly more forgiving of that than you have. Some of these things look really, like they are really naff, and that speaks to me, whereas you look at it in a way more sort of analytical, scientific, <laughs> scientific logical uh, way, and just go, don't talk down to me. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. And, and just to be on the record... They look pretty dope ass anyway, so I, I can let it <laughs> yeah. let the look of it slide. <laughs> yeah, these are do- dope is the right word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These are some fly helmets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> says the middle aged white man. <laughs> Re- I'm referring to myself there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, come on. I've probably already passed the midpoint in my life expectancy. Uh, All right. So, (laughs) question for you, unless you have one for me. No, no, you hit me. Okay, fine. Among the robots or among the androids, there are the thinking ones. There's like the Supervox versions of the ancient humans. Yeah. Whereas most of them are just like, they're not even Vox, they're whatever the Subvox, non-Vox ones. I can't remember what they were called now. They've been promised dominion over their respective people. And they just, they bought it. They're like, yeah, rat, that's that's cool. I want to be queen of the Mayans and I want to be uh, whatever, you know, emperor of Greece. <laughs> whatever title they've been told, you're going to have this, you're going to be in charge of this part of the world or these people. But maybe this is a nonsense question. All humans are going to be replaced by Urbankans. So is the idea, do you think, that some Urbankans are going to just wake up in culturally appropriated garb and be told, hey, you're an uh, <laughs> Aboriginal Australian now and this robot is your king. And that's just, that that's the plan? Is that the plan? Or do you think that the robots themselves, the thinking robots, don't even know about the Urbankan plan? I got the impression, how do you know? Because I they come think and... Bygone does. Bygone definitely does. Well, Bygone tells Doc the plan, doesn't he? Yeah, you're right. That's how Doc... Yes, you're right. Exactly. So yeah. they know about this. But I'm not sure if the others do. I mean, the only other person we get any vague sense from is Bert Quark. And I got the impression, which may not, that may be me interpreting too much, but I got the impression he kind of did know the situation, but didn't quite believe it. 
or didn't need a, uh, enough persuasion anyway. Doc just says like one sentence to him and he's like, oh yeah, okay, I buy it. They're not going to make me ruler of stuff. Yeah, they're just going to take over everything. Yeah, that part really, I mean, that that's now encroaching on another one of my questions, which was uh, how did Doc convince Lin Futu, that was his character's name, to join the rebellion? Because do you think it was Doc? Do you not think that maybe it was actually Bygone? Because Bygone, if Bygone knows this, and Linfoto is kind of on the fence, if Bygone just tells him, hey, listen, sorry, <laughs> Linfoto, you're wrong about this, here's the deal, would Linfoto not just go, yeah, right then? Because <laughs> that's kind of what he does in this serial. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. He tries to murder Nyssa. He's like straight up a collaborator until someone just goes, uh, no, you're mistaken. And he's like, right, I'm going to give up everything that I believed in up until five minutes ago. <laughs> It's just a power player. It's just like, okay, I'm going to latch onto you. You seem to be ruling the show now. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Let's face it, the supporting cast is not given the greatest chance to shine. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's weird because there are a lot of people in this cast for once, but most of them don't say anything. Most of them literally just dance around. (laughs) Well, yeah, most of them are just straight up automatons. Yeah, a couple of them try and chop the doc's head off yeah but that's also those are automatons they're only acting on the orders of one of the thinking robots of persuasion yeah yeah no i'd, I'd say more in, in terms of like the flexing their acting skills yeah the the actors that they've they put into this like a lot of times we go down to a planet and there's eight people and three of them have meaty roles the rest of the five flitter in and out of scenes you know that kind of thing yeah which is similar similar sort of here but rather than eight we've got maybe 20 so it, yeah if, that's true it feels actually more alive than some of the things where we go to an entire world and this is just one spaceship which is yes you're right you're right yeah there are more people in this one vehicle <laughs> than there are in the village to represent an entire planet quite often i think so yeah yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, um, good point. But but even with that, most of them, I think, for me, I felt like they did actually sidestep the horrible stereotypes a lot. Like they're obviously they were there to show off a culture, and I have no idea if they represented those cultures accurately or not. But I didn't see enough to immediately go that's offensive, <laughs> which I felt was a plus. <laughs> that's true. I mean, I'm not educated enough in these particular contexts. There were a few occasions where I thought, hmm, I don't think that this is particularly culturally sensitive. Like, this is just kind of stereotypes. The only expression of Chinese culture is dragons, dragon dances. Yeah. That's the thing, like, it's very true. Ancient Greeks just want to fight. Yeah, it's very, it's very stereotypy. It's just, yeah. I wasn't sure if it quite stepped the mark into a fence. I don't know. Yeah, like, I loved the music during the uh, um, Aboriginal uh, yeah. dance expo. But then the rest of the choreography, I have no idea who choreographed that. I don't know if the makeup is in any way even close to authentic. I have absolutely no idea. But I really like the music. However, you know what I really hate? Fucking dance-offs, man. <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> Like, not even dance dance offs, I can deal. I can deal with that. But I don't like. You know what? Do you know? Is this resonating? Does this make any sense? But I kind I, of. I, I kind of felt like that's what it was meant to be, though, because this is a group of aliens that have grabbed people thousands of years ago. Yeah. And to that's represent great. a culture of humanity and then just yes. parade in front of them. 
I'm a million percent on board with this. Like I said, I love the serial. And I, I think that's a super interesting concept. We, do, we need to talk about just like the concepts behind this in depth as well. But what I don't need to see, like I, I'm happy for that to happen behind the scenes. I don't want to see the Eurovision Song Contest. I want to know that it's happening. <laughs> you know, I would be super pleased if they just showed little like bing bling glimpses to indicate this is now happening. I don't need to see whole dance numbers. Yeah. I don't need to see whole fight scenes. I don't need that. It's bullshit. It was a little excessive. Although I feel like that was one of the best scenes that because that was allowed to happen, you get to see a, a bit of it. And then I can't, I can't remember if it's part of the same segment or if it's the second time around. Because I feel like we watched this about <laughs> three or four times. <laughs> these, these groups of people getting paraded out to dance. Yeah. Um, but the one where Doc and I think I've forgotten who he's with. Is it Doc and Adric are watching? And yeah, Bygon comes in. Yeah. Does the. Oh. Uh, uh, I'm just. Just pretend that I'm explaining what's happening uh, oh, in front of you Nissa, right now. I think, actually. It's Nissa. Is it Nissa? Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah, I know the scene. That, that was nicely done. And I think there's only one dance number there that they do it well with. And that's the, the Australian, the Aboriginal Australian dance number, because they just, they start the music, they open the doors. We just see people come out and they do like maybe 10 seconds of dancing. I cut to the corridor. We still hear yeah. the music in the background and there's plus happening. But before that, we got the entire Mayan number. And before that, we got the entire Greek number. And before <laughs> that, we got the entire Chinese number. Like, fucking yeah. hell, man. <laughs> Write a script instead. <laughs> it feels like maybe they wanted it to feel natural. So it's like, okay, we're going to set, we've got a little choreographed routine for everyone. We're going to film that. We're going to yeah. act that all out. We will obviously edit the hell out of it. You know, you'll see little bits here and there be spliced in. And then the end of the production time is like, we're running a little short. What do we do? Yeah. Well, you know, we've got all that footage of the dancing. (laughs) And you know, Craig built those dragon props. So (laughs) he would be chuffed to bits if we left them on screen another five minutes. They made them a plot point. (laughs) Like they're they're featured. They're staying in. And I loved it. I loved it. I I love the dragons up until the point where I realized that, wait, this dance number, this dance routine continues throughout the entire spaceship, including in the robot lab (laughs) for no reason. (laughs) It's like they literally just have to get out the door and then just they all walk down the corridor. Yeah. (laughs) Because like the I think they're worried about the watcher drones. Like it might even be that Adric or Doc like immediately comes out from under the dragon and like tries to stun the the drone and it's like oh yeah because the drone's not going why the fuck is the chinese dragon in here (laughs) 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 or rather whoever was watching the drone you know was it possible to distract the drones just with a magnifying glass towards the end of the serial so it turns out it wasn't just a magnifying glass I oh, did write really? this down. I don't know if it like it is a magnifying glass, but then it also had a cobalt ring with a high flux density. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, it makes perfect scientific yeah. sense. <laughs> That's all you need to interfere with uh, any camera recording equipment, don't you know? <laughs> I'm completely on board with that. Where did that gizmo come from, though? Uh, Doc's pocket. 
Oh, so he had that the entire time? He didn't need the Sonic? He could use that device instead? I think so. Unless I misunderstood. I thought at one point they basically asked Doc to turn out his pockets, and he had that, a piece of string, and a cricket ball. Yeah. Did you also expect that scene to just <laughs> go down a rabbit hole of, here's all the wonky stuff Doc has in his pockets? Well, I guess it Oh, I guess here's, it a, did, here's a living but... rabbit, and here's a... <laughs> oh, <laughs> here's, here's a lolly, and here's that gum that you really like. It's coming back in style. Here's that what other thing, you know, just like really weird stuff. Basically mimicking the Tom Baker, Mary Poppins pockets of... There's way more in his pockets than he should reasonably be able to carry around. Yeah. I think, no, I, I think I was happy that they didn't do that because... Yeah, me too. Yeah. Don't have to do it with every doctor. I kind of like that there's this thing where it's, it's what does this doctor have in his pockets? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like if it ever happens again, which it may not, like he's basically always going to have a cricket ball in his pocket. Yeah. That will be his thing rather than a bag of jelly babies. Oh, that's so true. I love that. Yes, these are his jelly babies. Although, would you like a rub on my ball? It's not quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about this, Doctor? How do you. Th- this is. This was the first episode or the first serial that he recorded. Yeah, I read that as a trivia note. I don't want to dampen things too much. Okay. You, obviously, yeah, you obviously enjoyed this, but I really wasn't too sure about him through this one. Oh, I think I okay. Maybe there was more still kind of uncertainty when we saw him last time, which is obviously ironic with the, how they were filmed and stuff. But it's just it was it was I think only in companion interactions that I felt like there was a problem. I think when he was out solving stuff, dealing with the villains and that, I quite liked him. There were just a few occasions where it just didn't seem clear what relationship they were trying to make between him and the companions. And he was, I don't know, he would be annoyed and short with people, but trying to be nice about it at the same time. And it just felt weird. I know what you mean. I wonder if this is the same argument that we made in the last one in uh, was it Logopolis, where where like he's basically he's too nice. There's not too nice, but he he is he is an innocent compared to many of the other doctors. Yeah, and and possibly because they still need to have those occasionally adversarial interactions, including with companions. That niceness it contrasts with it in a sometimes unpalatable way. Like, like I, I can't take him seriously if he's being antagonistic towards someone because that doesn't seem to be the doctor that this guy is playing. But then why isn't he playing that kind of doctor? Because that's the kind of doctor I'm used to and the kind of doctor that I prefer. Yeah, it just seemed like with all that niceness, he's been written and portrayed as a doctor with really short views as well. Like he he was getting super frustrated with the companions on occasion really quickly. Was that because the companions were written differently though? Possibly. Or do you, I mean, do I you think know. maybe there's something different about them in general? I mean, they were mostly all shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but I don't know. Shall we go through the companions? And then maybe we can cycle back to, to Doc like once we know where we stand in terms of the companions maybe we can find a reason to have a short fuse with them okay yeah okay so which one do you want to start with well i feel like there are a lot of questions i have around adric so i i would like to leave him to the end if that's okay okay yeah so why should we start with tegan all right yeah take us away <laughs> Damn it. I knew you were going to say that. okay yeah i i've settled back into tegan is annoying territory Okay. That's for sure. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, um, I wish I could say I don't know what you're talking about. I absolutely see <laughs> what you mean. <laughs> but I do think she also had some plus points in this one that she didn't before. So why were you annoyed by her? I think I just don't understand how they're trying to write her. So in some senses, she's, you know, she's a very strong-willed character. She's, like, she should be freaked out by everything. She's still new to all of this. She's a human from our time, or even earlier, 1981, I think, when she got picked up. That's true, yeah. And there are moments in this serial, she has like proper breakdowns. Like, I think there's a point where she realizes that the monarch's plan is to basically wipe out all of humanity, and she you know, has a proper breakdown about it. And Doc isn't particularly sensitive to that, I think. The, I don't know, it's just like the way it happened and how she portrayed it, I found that a negative point, even though I totally sympathize with her having that reaction. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. I both agree and disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't know, it's like, and then she's in the TARDIS and yeah. she's just like mashing controls. Flipping and switches. Yeah. What are the odds that she materializes, okay that. that she rematerializes like 20 meters out, off the starboard hull, <laughs> as opposed to she materializes in prehistoric Venus? Or just anywhere just anywhere yeah. in space that doc can't and time and to. time and time yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is what i'm saying she could be on venus but in prehistoric times yeah she spends 40 years learning how to build a spaceship builds a spaceship travels all the way to earth miraculously survives the journey lands and she is still surrounded by dinosaurs screw you tegan okay back to the scene that you brought up before when she's talking to the doctor and doc's like listen they're gonna slaughter mankind she wants to go and save mankind she believes in the goodness of mankind to the extent that if she goes back to earth ahead of the Urbankans and just says, hey, there are some green frog creatures who are coming here. I swear I'm not a crazy person. People are going to believe her and uh, take this threat seriously. And Doc's like, no, we need to deal with it because they won't. Yeah. But I, I think that's the thing. This, she I mean, put her foot down. That was awesome. Wasn't that awesome? I mean, I Doc is right because she's an idiot. But she <laughs> put her full foot down. Yeah, but it's one thing to put your foot down when you have a point and something to back it up with. It's another thing to put your foot down when it's like, oh, right, the guy that is an alien that has this time travel and space travel machine that brought me here, that's already shown to save other planets, that I actually saw more from another character you know yeah. all these things and then go he might know no. some stuff i don't yeah <laughs> and she literally i quoted it uh, i'm sick of leaving everything up to you what in the last two weeks it's like <laughs> what it seems to be written as is she's just annoyed that he didn't take her straight to heathrow at yeah, the start right. of this episode and it's no, like you're so right and it's less than two weeks by the way it's like three days at most well yeah <laughs> they did not spend two weeks in logopolis no that's that's fair <laughs> Or Castrovac. Yeah, yeah anyway. I, just, I just find her really up and down. And yeah. it's it's just a little bit infuriating. Because I, I think there's a good character in there, which is... Like, uh, there could be, like, if they dialed some things down a bit. Um, yeah, like settled everything. in what they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we I think... We often like having a, a human that we can recognize who's experiencing things that are alien. And so we have them to bounce our view off, basically. We're missing that a little bit with Nissa and Adric because even though Adric's actually human, I think. But he's, he grew up yeah, on a he's human, planet, but you know. from whatever it's called. Um, yeah. Uh, Arcturus? I can't remember now. And he's and, been and, written as genius brat, so it's... <laughs> yeah, and, and Nissa is also not human. She's from, what's it called, Traken. Yeah. But... 
I think from the audience point of view, they're sort of, they're human enough. All of their mannerisms are human. They're basically young human people. But they're not surprised by everything. Like Nissa knows a hell of a lot. And Adric, as serials go on, seems to know more and more and more. Although... Yeah, but still, he's also really surprised by stuff. I, I can't remember what it was now. Like, I mean, the machinery, for example, he was really surprised by. The matter condensation thing, whatever it was called. You know, the machine yeah, yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, He's like, that sounds ridiculous. You can't have a machine that condenses matter. It's like, wait, you just said that inside a machine that is bigger on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How can you not wrap your brain around this, dude? So there are occasionally, there's sort of a childishness. There's almost a naivete to, to them. Certainly in... Oh, okay, wait, sorry, sorry. You said to put a pin in Adric. I, I will put a million pins in Adric. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a I mean, little we can, ball upstairs. <laughs> we can open the Adric box now, I guess. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's an element of how they interact with each other. Like, one of my plus points for Tegan is when she literally pushes Adric out the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he falls on his face and loses consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I loved that fight, by the way. I thought that was great. I mean, it seems as though his his character... They all have character arcs to a certain degree. Actually, you know what? Nissa doesn't really have a character arc. But Adric's character arc seems to be like... He starts off going, I, I'm an I'm an asshole, but I don't think anyone else notices it. And then as his arc progresses, he gradually manages to convince everyone that he is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> And thus, his character comes to full fruition. <laughs> the asshole eats itself. <laughs> this is a question I wrote down at one point. Like, yeah. did Adric get hypnotized? Like, No, I don't think so. I didn't think so. I, I didn't think I blinked and missed it. But partway through, I'm, I was just like, wait, what is he doing? Why is he blabbing his mouth to the monarch about every single detail about the Doctor and the right? TARDIS. yeah. Why is he thinking that the monarch is some saviour, effectively? Like, I don't know, he just seems to want to... I thought to... he was bluffing. Yeah, I thought it was... Well, I thought it was a bluff to start with. Then I thought, oh no, this is beyond bluffery. Like, he's not letting anyone in on the secret, even when they're alone and they're, you know, conspiring for other things. And yeah, then I thought, did, did he get hypnotised and I just blinked and missed it? Or what? No, it just so. turns out... He's an arsehole, yeah? This is yeah. this is the conclusion. <laughs> He's a, a massive arse clown, uh, and Doc should let him be robotized and then convince him that he was wrong. <laughs> so that he's now stuck living forever in a body that is slowly but surely rusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screw that guy. Really didn't like him. It, it took less effort to convince Cato that everything that he had believed in for thousands of years <laughs> yeah. was wrong than it was to convince this brat that maybe he had read the room wrong. Totally. Plus, the start, of, start of his character arc, by the way, yeah. it's not just asshole Adric, it's sexist asshole Adric. Yes, yo, I forgot about that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I wrote this down. Which is all acknowledged as well. Like, it's not... 1982 being sexist it's adric the character being sexist and being pulled up on it by i think here both, go, here both nissa and tegan yeah both of them and nissa kind of towards the okay hang on let's reenact this you be adric i'll be uh, uh, we'll see oh geez i'll thanks. be, I'll be <laughs> <laughs> uh, fine i'll be adric you be tegan and nissa but i'm gonna expect two different voices all right here we go <laughs> That's the trouble with women, mindless, impatient, and bossy. You, you chauvinist, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> flawless Australian accent, flawless. 
to all our friends in Australia, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you were meant to. I heard it too. You mean this? Mindless. Well, yes, but you're not a woman. I'm not? No, you're only a girl. Cut to Nissa sort of rolling her eyes a little bit and then going, Oh, yeah, maybe he's paying me a compliment. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe the BBC did a little oopsie-daisy with that one. <laughs> a little oopsie, yeah. I mean, my note was, Adric logic is girls are better than women. I think he's saying, Nissa, you're still fine, but you are destined to grow up to be mindless, impatient, and bossy. Uh, Adric. I mean, I don't know if there was a plus thing about Adric in this. Like, I found myself incredibly frustrated because I feel like they just wrote him differently. Like, I mentioned in the last, last couple of serials, it really seemed like I didn't understand why necessarily they but they had made the decision that adric is a sponge and he's managed to absorb a hell of a lot of knowledge and genius whilst he's been flying around in the tardis and reading manuals whatever and he was proving useful with that knowledge and now he was just floundering around throughout every scene or actively trying to (laughs) like work (laughs) with the villains yes I mean, what is his end game here? Is his end game they get to Earth and he's like, yeah, but I like this chap, this monarch guy. Like, I, I would quite like to stay with. Is that his? Is that his goal? Like, is he done with Team Tardis? Yeah, I th- I thought maybe they were going to write him out in this. It was like, oh yeah, he's going to chummy up with uh, the bunch of and well, not androids. Uh, I don't know, robotic life forms, computer life forms. They'll find another planet to go to. Like they'll. Yeah. Yeah. Solve the issue that way. They won't go to Earth. They'll go to some other place rich in silicon and just be happily ever after. <laughs> Scanning through my notes, do you want to jump back into Tegan country a little bit? Sure. You hit me Because there's one quality of Tegan's that we didn't highlight, and that is that she suddenly turns out to be a, a linguist of sorts. Uh, she is able to, uh, yeah. to speak with um, Kukuchi, is his name, in his native language, which begs the question. Has his native language not changed in any way over 12,000 years? <laughs> or has Tegan, like, is she fluent in a 12,000 year old language? Yeah. This. <laughs> <laughs> like, at the time, we didn't know it was a 12,000 year old language. No, I think. but we find out, like, shortly thereafter. Yeah. Because Bygone's like, yeah, well, he picked up her at, like, uh, 20,000 20, years ago, and him 12,000 years ago, and me, like, 8,000 years ago or something. In fact, I, does it end up being even further? I think Doc oh, makes the suggestion that it was 4,000 ga- year gaps, and then Bygone says that actually the time decreased by half every time, so actually the first ones were even further back. Is this set, like, like, way, way in the future? Because in the beginning, I thought that it was going to be set in 1982. But is it actually set way, way in the future? No, I think it is 82. I don't think they ever address it. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, 12 or 20,000 years ago? No! What? 20,000 years ago? Wait, hang on. I'm I'm opening up the bloody, what's it called, the transcript. Four to Doomsday. Yeah, that's right, transcript. I did Google this earlier. Thank you, Google. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting really angry. I'm really worked up about this now. Yeah, bygone. No, the first visit was over 35,000 years ago when Kikuchi was taken. Okay, so that makes me think this is set way, way in the future. Otherwise, they've got their history, like, mega wrong. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Must do, right? (laughs) Must do. Mayans. I, I... 
I mean, I don't feel like I need to look this up, really. But I, I just, I just want, I, I want to just Google this. When did the Mayans live? Two thousand six hundred BC is what Google's telling me. Not thirty-five thousand years ago. No, but the point was Kikichi, or however you say his name, was picked up thirty-five thousand years ago. Then it took them. Well, in fact, Bible even says twenty thousand years to get back again. So then it was only like. 15 odd thousand years ago and then it was decreasing by half every time wait no the, wait that doesn't make sense it took wait 35,000 it doesn't matter how long it took them to go back and forth if he was picked up 35,000 years ago then he was picked up 35,000 years ago and yeah but it's just the first years ago it's just the first guy the mayan person was picked up much much later that's it that's the only point i was making okay so wait kukuchi was picked up 35,000 years ago that's what they say yeah which is probably not accurate so, for here we go here we go perfect okay aboriginal peoples have been living on this land for at least sixty-five thousand years fine but are you saying that his language hasn't been updated no, in no. any way I mean, in thirty-five thousand years i'm not saying that that's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> and you also, know what also like, I mean, is bullshit is that the tardis didn't translate it <laughs> oh yeah i know I, I thought about that as well yeah uh, by the way, thirty-five years is uh, thirty-five thousand years ago. Oldest known figurative art of a human figure. Yeah, I saw that as well. I wonder if that's what they. Um, maybe there was a discovery around the it early eighties. It was Kikuchi. It was a, yeah, it was a drawing like... of Kikuchi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I don't even think that this is you know the standard BBC racism that we got from the sixties episodes or even some of the seventies episodes. I think this is just illogical. Yeah. Well, it's to me, it was illogical that Tegan would be able to understand even a modern day Aboriginal dialect. I mean, to be honest, I don't know what percentage of Australians do no, speak uh, it. I, I, I would assume quite small. Maybe that's wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would I would assume relatively small as well percentage. Almost beside the point, I would not expect Tegan to... Like, I, I would possibly expect Tegan to know a foreign language. Yeah. Because her job was to travel to foreign countries, and she's been... Like, part of her backstory is, oh, she's been learning German, or she's been learning French, you know, or, or whatever. She's been... It doesn't matter. She's been learning Mandarin Chinese. And then she... Wait, she can use ch her Chinese skills. Perfect. Yeah. She doesn't seem like the kind of person who would even take the time to learn a second domestic language. <laughs> yeah. She seems I, baffled I, by absolutely everything. I, I feel bad for having the same thought, but yeah, I, I kind of get that as well, which it seems unfair because we don't know a lot about this character. But No, that's true, but I think she's presented as the almost, almost the antithesis of Nyssa. Like, Nyssa is the one who knows everything and who isn't afraid of learning new stuff, whereas Tegan doesn't know much of anything. And when someone gives her the opportunity to learn something new, she goes, no, I don't want to do that. That seems really difficult. And yeah, yeah anyway. that's fair. No, that's fair. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just a, it's just a weird scene. And I could almost, I could almost let it slide that we hear them speaking whatever Aboriginal dialect that is. But then the doctor interjects to say, what did he say? <laughs> and it's just, no, no, I'm yeah. not having, I am not yeah. having that. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it either. I don't get it either. <laughs> if we set aside the fact that it is highly unbelievable, it makes no sense temporally, and it makes no sense in, even in the context of Tegan, the character. How do you feel about Tegan being able to, you know, flex a little bit? That's pretty cool, right? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely give the companions stuff to do and some skills. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but a bit more in the believability column, please. <laughs> <laughs> there are probably lots more things to say about Adric and, and Tegan, but we haven't mentioned Nyssa at all. Shall we talk about Nyssa? Yes. Okay. She gets captured a lot. Yeah, she gets captured and just bossed around a lot. I feel. She just gets she gets to save the day, literally saving Doc's neck from being chopped off. Oh yes, you're right. That's or rather his that's head a big from thing. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that entirely. That's huge. Okay. But then there's also that scene where um, I can't remember who it is. I feel like it might be Kato. Sorry by the way, that's not being racist. Like he is Kato to me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he might tell her at one point, like, hey, Nissa, go and relieve that man. Like, go and relieve that robot to hold up the, it's not a magnifying glass, but hold up the other device. It's like, but what? Why? That dude is a robot. (laughs) That's a very good point. I didn't even think that at the time. (laughs) Are you saying that so that she just gets to have an interaction in the scene because you literally have written nothing for her? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's, that's pretty poor. I just found the scene as bygone, actually. It's it's not uh, Lin Futu, but Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the start, she's, like, Adric's being his shitty self, and she's the one that is understanding all the technology. I think, I think am I right in thinking Doc kind of leads her around that first, I think they call it a console room, where there's all the shiny buttons, and uh-huh. he gets gets her to basically say, what's this do? What does this do? What does this do? And she she understands everything. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I made up a scene. But anyway, she seems to I have a lot I don't remember of... that at all. Wait, <laughs> when? What? <laughs> maybe I made up a scene. <laughs> Wait, the console? The Is TARDIS it? console? No, the, the spaceship. The, the first room the they go into console. on spaceship. It's not... Yeah. I don't think it is a console room, but I thought they made reference to it like that. Anyway... It might be the room I mean, they full of consoles. first go into, <laughs> yeah. and they had that conversation about the the thing that increases density to reduce matter. Yeah, that room. Yeah, yeah I yeah. felt like I felt like there was an interplay between the Doctor and Nissa of talking through technology and her knowing about everything. Basically, there was. I feel like I I think you're right. I think there was, but was the Doctor involved in it? Wasn't it Nissa and Adric? Oh, maybe maybe Tegan's part of it as well, actually. Doc uh, is almost too just... busy dealing with the Monopticon. Okay, maybe I misremembered. Is it called the Monopticon? Maybe. Yeah, I think you're probably right. A- anyway, the point is that Nissa shows off her technology chops. Yeah, she does. That's true. But then she spends a lot of this serial just hypnotized, wait, wait, wait. Uh, unconscious. Oh, sorry, what? I found it. I found it. Yes. Oh, let's hear it. Let's it's hear it, maybe let's not the it. first exit. It's the, the, yeah, there's a little little interplay between the Doctor and Nissa where, yeah, Doc's being amazed by everything. It's like, we're worthy of Gallifrey, non-corrosive alloys, blah, 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 blah. And Nissa's, look at that. And Doc says, yes, an interferometer. And Adric, oh, yes. Adric's finally going, what that? <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, this is going, oh, this one's to do measuring gravitational waves. And Doc's, if we could use it in the time, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, they're, they're ping-ponging about all these cool technology things and how they would use it. You are right, yes. I'm so sorry, you're absolutely right. And it's probably the best companion Doctor interplay we get in a serial, and it lasts for about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. He's doing a lot of... He Actually, you know what? He's not doing a lot of soloing. It's almost as though Bygone is his companion for much of this serial. Yeah, that's true, actually. And as such, I quite liked Bygone. Yeah, me too. Yeah, He was charming. I felt really bad for him when he was uh, de-chipped. He oh, was sitting there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, just forced I, I to watch the dancing. 
Forever yeah. and ever. That freaking do- seriously, the Eurovision Song Contest still annoys me so much. The, the it's clearly just on an endless repeat. Like it is. What are they going to do? They they don't have time set aside to come up with new choreographies. It's they're robots. They're just doing. It's an endless repeat. So why why have them? Oh no, minus points. But this is all for the the main villain Moloch, Monarch that we discover at the end is made of flesh after all. So what what is he getting out of it? Why does he want to watch the same production of shitty dance routines over and over again for thousands upon thousands of years? Yeah, I mean that that in and of itself is I appreciate that it's actually kind of interesting in the sense like these are robots maybe they have a sense of this is culture we need to practice it as in like actual practice so that we are proficient when we arrive or maybe it's just like this is part of who we are we will remember it and now that they've been robotized like he, i think a, a theme in this serial i made a note of this like it's a one one word bullet point i think a, a theme serial is conformity and there's a there's a line of I'm gonna find it in the transcripts. Hang on. Monarch goes, Ah, conformity, there is no other freedom. Yes. And there are so many different people trying to conform to what their perception of a norm is. So maybe they've relinquished the flesh times. They are now robots. They still want to conform to their natural culture, so they they still practice it to a certain degree. But it seems as though the monarch, the whatever they call the Urbankans, they have no culture, so they're practicing culture <laughs> from a different planet because they want to conform to those norms so that when they arrive, they form part, they have assimilated in a way. They've, you know, effectively it's cultural appropriation. Like it is quite literally cultural appropriation. When Tegan, holy moly, why is that a Tegan bullet point we haven't talked about? Tegan draws two people oh, yeah. <laughs> and they just turn into them with perfect clothes what but that's also a form of conforming like they want to like, tell us how wh- what should we look like how should we act and they do they conform yeah they're a very weird group of people like i mean if you can even call them people i suppose because they're mostly computer programs sort of i don't know because yeah. <laughs> yeah what is their end game they discussed that they want earth actually for the silicon but i don't know if that's ever really confirmed as the motive i think that's doc guessing isn't that what bygone says was oh, it what bygone like, says i mean that's certainly what we are told as an audience but monarch almost presents it as a benevolent cyberman threat like he wants to go there to upgrade mankind he wants to free us of the flesh times yeah yeah that that definitely came through as well but i, I never quite understood how they were going to achieve that like going back to your <laughs> your first point that we swept okay, aside to lead them through one at a time <laughs> yeah to be it's gonna take a while <laughs> how many are in this cube well i mean there are like three billion left it's fine <laughs> it takes about 20 minutes per person <laughs> it's not exactly flipping a switch is it <laughs> But that, and after that, was... that, Eurovision forever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no. But the thing about the title, like, I, I didn't actually pick up. I, I had to look through a transcript to realize that they were four days away from Earth. Because at no point through the serial did I get a threat of time. Like, No, nor I. I, I didn't really feel like, oh, they're about to land on Earth. Or, you know, they they need to solve this problem in the next X hours or anything like that. Because I guess because they put multiple days on it and that 
is yeah. too long for a Doctor Who serial to convey in a nice way. Yeah, like we are definitely not sticking with these people for four days. No. <laughs> Fast like, forward two hours, we're done. <laughs> Donzo. Yeah, four hours is a more appropriate length for um, yeah. suspense and intrigue. <laughs> I had a very different theory about this title, what, what it meant throughout this, almost the entire serial, which <laughs> A was then disproven by the serial, like maybe mid part three or something and the b was blasted to smithereens by your b scout and that was that this was a take on the four horsemen of the apocalypse and that they had three of them and that they were recruiting a fourth one because they kept looking at doc and the others like the tardis team and going like hmm she has intelligence oh he has bravery oh doc is resourceful or whatever you know I was like, oh, maybe True. we can make that, that the fourth one. Because they had the monarch, they had persuasion, they had enlightenment. And then they'd have the fourth, quote-unquote, horseman of the apocalypse who might be, you know, resourcefulness or bravery or something like that. Oh, I would have liked that. <laughs> yeah, well, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had more issue with the fact it was called Doomsday. Because, oh, yeah. Because like, that, that's kind of the point I was, I was leading to just a second ago. It was, yeah, this... This isn't a really clear-cut invasion force. Like they talk about there being three billion of them in the computer banks, like literally in drawers. Not the first time we've had people in drawers in Doctor Who floating through space. Um, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off though. No, no, go. We had a William Hartnell serial called "I Want to Say the Ark in Space." Pretty sure it was called the Ark in Space, and in it, it was a literal Ark in Space, a spaceship carrying, I'm pretty sure, mankind to you know new earth of some sort and on this journey people were minified and put in drawers to just sleep throughout the entire journey in in, like but literally like tiny in a drawer (laughs) that's quite sweet (laughs) yeah Yeah, they make mention of there being three billion they are four days away from earth we see the process for turning a human into or uploading a human to then put into a robot body which is what Monarch is claiming he wants to do. Yeah. So where's the doomsday? Like they're gonna land on Earth. Adric's gonna go. These are my mates. They're really nice. Everyone's gonna go. Who the fuck are you? Um, <laughs> you seem like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why are you wearing a sheriff's badge? <laughs> <laughs> and a, a weird yellow, slightly Robin Hood esque <laughs> tunic. Yeah. Oh, you go for Robin Hood. I go for Peter Pan. Ah, Peter Pan. Yeah. No, that's more. Fitting. Yeah. He's like the even shittier Peter Pan. Like the even more arrogant Peter Pan. <laughs> I can't fly. <laughs> <laughs> but is really good at maths. You know what the best thing, his best line in this entire serial is when they sit down for dinner. And he looks at it and he goes, oh, small river fruit. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> That's a callback. You know, he is, he is on a journey. His, his character is definitely <laughs> such, on a journey. Such a journey, yeah. Hopefully down some mine shaft. <laughs> if we're still, I know we've gone off a million tangents, but if we're still in yeah, yeah, compa- go for it, go companion for it. land. Um, yeah, 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 go for it. <laughs> did you read the trivia around 
Nissa and quite why she has the ending she has in this serial. Oh, uh, I saw something about why she has the ending. Uh, I I read about why she is even in this in the first place. But uh, go for it. Take take it away. Tell yeah. Me. So they. I mean, these were aired differently to how they were recorded. But they they said that after Castro Valva, they didn't want Nissa around. They they wanted the Doctor just to have Adric and Tegan. But right, yeah. uh, P- Peter Davison apparently opposed this and said Nissa was the best companion for his Doctor. They conceded and Nissa stayed on, but they had already written the next story, kinda, and she's oh, not in it. Oh, no way. No way. Oh, see, I'd, I'd read the first bit. I hadn't read the last bit. Yeah. So, I don't know. I got the feeling that she probably was meant to be in this like i don't know if it's after castrovalva in the sense that after they filmed castrovalva oh maybe yeah and they were like but oh, so okay, effectively she was know. meant to die or something or I have no idea. take ill to such a degree that she has to leave the tardis or maybe even just go back to track and like she she has a home planet she can go back to and that's true yeah stuff. she could be the next keeper yeah which because it was such a weird ending with her just going oh i'm fainting <laughs> Yeah. immediately cut I kind of liked it I really? liked it because yeah. it, it, it feels like the next one is going to start off exactly where this one ends now we're going to have to find out why she fainted someone give her a banana or something her blood sugar's low. <laughs> <laughs> by the way yeah. kinder not uh, kinder although oh, okay. you know what let's just call it kinder I much prefer that but yeah thank you very much Tracy for the enlightenment since you had trivia about Nyssa I have trivia about Matthew Waterhouse aka Adric that chap did not learn from his mistakes oh dear because when Peter Davison did you read this as well when Peter Davison started off as the doctor like I mean this is the first one that they're recording those two did not really hit it off very well because <laughs> Waterhouse Adric was constantly not constantly but he was giving him tips on how to act better <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh he's such a dick <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sorry, quote, I feel if Matthew Waterhouse got off to a bad start with Peter Davison after he took it upon himself to point out mistakes he felt the new star was making. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've dissected the well, maybe not so good guys, if we're including Adric in the bunch <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh we've not massively talked about the uh, I gotta call them the bad guys. Sure. They're they're not as in your face evil as some bad guys we get, but uh, yeah. I mean, they mean relatively well, even when they're murdering people. Exactly, yeah. Their heart's in the right place as they're butchering I mean, you. Uh, t- well, wait, hang on. Turning I, you into a robot. As I said, said that, I felt <laughs> like, wait, that's I can't stand for that. <laughs> Persuasion, straight up. Like, why do they even have guns? P- Persuasion, just like, at one, at one point, is told, why don't you deal with this? And he just stands up and he's suddenly holding a gun. <laughs> like what (laughs) yeah the guns that suddenly start becoming a thing in episode like three or four Uh, there's there's another scene i think we still need to revisit with the uh the trip into space but yes oh my goodness yes please that whole sequence mega tense but also i mean i say mega tense but i mean it's a bit (laughs) relatively speaking (laughs) wait did you say naff yeah what? Here's my friend who doesn't agree with me. What is going on? <laughs> Are we talking about the same scene? Doc is floating through space without a spacesuit. Like that <laughs> bit a space I didn't, hat. didn't mind so much. Well, apart from the fact that Doc is in space without stuff. 
Which he I can't. Throws, he, he bowls against the spaceship. Oh my god! Oh okay. no, no! It's very childish, but really, no. Yes, no. Like <laughs> the the act of him throwing the cricket ball should have propelled him. That would have been enough. And it bouncing off the space station back to him, and then that propels him. No, it was just yeah, cartoon. Yeah, logic. how does that work? If he bowls the ball with a certain force, yeah, would that not just like send him spinning? I mean, it, it depends how he threw it with his center of gravity. I guess maybe he does have to throw it more you can't towards lean his against stomach something. height. You're floating in space. It's like you're falling. So you're imagine you're throwing something while you're falling. Doesn't that just kind of you lose your center? You you effectively lose your center of gravity while you do that. Oh, I'm not a scientist. No, I feel like there's a nice Futurama so episode where um, Bender ends up ends up drifting in space, and he he just starts throwing stuff out of his um, oh right, sort of bo- yeah. bottomless chest. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> his Mary like, Yeah, he, he's trying to trying to get back to wherever he's been blasted out of, and it's yeah, but it's it's that idea of yeah motion and opposite reaction and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It just it just really bothered me that they're going to the point of like he can propel something in space, okay, but not taking into account that his act of propelling something in space has an action on him because he's also under the interplay of no gravity. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, order. wouldn't that just, yeah. like, he would just spin. If it, well, he wouldn't, not perfectly, he, but you're right, would something move. would happen He would move him. and probably tumble at the same time. Yeah. yeah, he wouldn't necessarily, like, fly to the TARDIS, but it, it's such a childish solution to it, but he's such a good bowler that he... <laughs> <laughs> he manages to bounce it back onto himself and that's it's it, it, it's all it's like a um, munchausen thing you know he's like he's riding the cannonball <laughs> and in yeah. fact him bowling is like him picking himself up by his hair it's great <laughs> makes perfect sense <laughs> right okay <laughs> but really isn't that a me. tense scene though you've got adric wearing the actual spacesuit in the airlock fighting with the persuasion and enlightenment blasting laser beams through persuasion i think i don't know i just never got the tension because persuasion comes in just shooting at adric and just completely misses and then i think adric just falls over or something and somehow gets the gun or no does that actually does reflect uh, the laser somehow because there's one of those orbs one of the monopticons is in the airlock with them as well i think oh does he oh maybe not maybe i'm mistaken but regardless yeah there's a massive fight he gets he doesn't get shot but he narrowly escapes i guess adric and then he straight up murders both of them I think he tears it, off their chips, I think, and throws Doc them not into murdered, space. I think Doc murdered Enlightenment. Oh, maybe Doc murdered him. And then sh- basically has shown Adric how to kill Persuasion when she comes in. Oh, <laughs> no, did, the other way around. Does. Persuasion and Enlightenment. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, you're sorry, right. Yeah. No, no, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Doc comes back in. He's like, oh, no, i got to go back. <laughs> Murder. And back out again. <laughs> this is again why, it, yeah, the, 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 I didn't get the, the tension because... If I think if Doc was stuck floating out in space and Adric was left on his own and managed to solve it all on his own, yeah. that, that would have worked for me. But the fact that whilst Doc is floating out in space on the end of a rope, he's continually looking over his shoulder. And the second he sees something, he starts like pulling on the rope and coming back. And it's just like, no, this is... No, I've I've not suspended my disbelief anymore. This is just insane. I can now picture <laughs> Peter Davison crawling across the floor 
on a like a little trolley under his tummy isn't that great <laughs> swimming that's fantastic like, like until until he started doing silly things looking over his shoulder i was like he's floating in space this is amazing this is 1982 television this is great effects <laughs> is that not, that shot is gorgeous when he like when he first uh, yeah the first bit was jumps brilliant. out and he's just floating between the two it's a stunning shot and then uh, yeah it, unfortunately i just lost it for me okay fine i loved it <laughs> it had exactly that like that kitsch factor that i love about classic sci-fi and on top of that it was i, I thought beautiful good i'm glad your heart is bigger than mine <laughs> you've got to enjoy it. <laughs> maybe we can take that as a segue to another bullet point on our to-do list which is production value like in general production value you have those shots that have been constructed in some way but in addition to that that means you have the airlock you have the exterior of the spaceship you have all the sets you have the makeup the freaking i want to call it a monoid but it's not it's a monopticon the the monopticon is even as a concept it's great but the way it looks as it's floating around and occasionally it's spinning around Mm. really well done stuff super well done there was only one effect that i thought was it it was a nice try (laughs) but that's it that's where it ended Oh, can, I, when... can I have a guess? Yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it, go for it, go for it. Is it Bygone's face? Yes, it's Bygone's face! You're so <laughs> <Yes>. right! <laughs> Perfect! <laughs> but, carry on, carry on. That was, I mean, really nice try. <laughs> but it might have made more sense if they had just filmed the chap playing Bygone, just looking up as he's supposedly, you know, lifting up yeah. his face. But he isn't. So it just ends up like... Oh, I'm going to lift up the green screen in front of my face. <laughs> yeah, I, that didn't really sway me. But so much else looks good. The, the The throne room, I thought, looked fantastic. Yeah, and even to the point where they changed camera angle. I, I only noticed it once. I, I would be very surprised if they only did it once, but they, they film over the shoulder of Monarch <gasps> oh. lo- looking at Doc and Co. I want to go back and... T- I, I, I'm. I'm going to literally scrub through those episodes to get that shot. That look, that sounds fantastic. I feel like they made an effort. They made an effort in a different way in this serial, production-wise, which is interesting. It's not that, you know, prior Doctor Who didn't look as impressive, but it's nice to have something different occasionally. And it's cool to see them trying out these new tricks, these new gimmicks. Good stuff. No, it it was good production level. Yeah. Since we're talking about that, I mentioned I thought the makeup and everything prosthetic great. It, the monarch, by the way, his greenness looks fantastic. But persuasion, okay. There was a moment in I think it's part three or part four. I can't remember now. Uh, no, it's in part two where I had some sort of breakdown because only at that point did I realize that his green double-breasted jacket was made of velvet. (laughs) 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 I just went bananas. I want that jacket. I I hate green jacket. I don't want to wear green. It looks terrible on me, but I want that jacket. It's beautiful. (laughs) He was a very dapper chap, yes. He really was, yeah. I wonder if maybe that could be a segue into the fashion element. (laughs) (laughs) could segue into your your point about fashion yeah go for it (laughs) oh yeah yeah great i'm gonna keep this bit (laughs) speaking of jackets (laughs) there's a point in part one where it all of a sudden just becomes all about fashion and it's such a it's it seems like a silly thing to just ask someone to tell them as in the monarch and enlightenment i think it is 
ask Tegan, hey, is what you're wearing normal for people? Because oh, this is my <laughs> uniform, you know. They don't go, what kind of uniform? Are you in the military? Um, is that a normal uniform? Do people wear that uniform? They just go, well, what do people wear? To clarify, there are a lot of people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> she draws exactly two people <laughs> who are not representative of everyone. They're not, you know, all inclusive individuals in any way. She draws a white couple. <laughs> <laughs> In black and white, by the way, she draws them in black and white. It's very good at drawing. She's as good at drawing as she is at 35,000-year-old dialects (laughs) or languages, sorry. And from this two-dimensional black and white image, they create perfect uniforms for these two individuals. That's the thing. That's a very... Sorry if I'm stealing your point. No, go for it. Go for it, please. I didn't really clock it. But they're uniforms she's meant to be drawing like normal everyday casual clothes and what they end up wearing really look like uniform you're so right yes you're right and as they are there on what is a a, an almost sort of a pseudo militaristic or military operation that becomes their uniform they they are playing a part they are infiltrating but yeah i mean it, it has the bonus element of oh wow cool we're giving tegan another talent that's good i'm glad like add value to this character because I'm really struggling to find it myself. But it's such a nonsense scene of let's devote maybe like three or four minutes to just talking about fashion. Yeah, it was super weird. Uh, and yeah, and also, and also like, why not just you're going to hypnotize people anyway? Just hypnotize her and ask her what. Like you, you can find everything from this. Just deduce it from a, an algorithm. Don't yeah. ask someone to draw. What if she can't draw? Like, what if she draws shit sketches? What if she makes, like, a shit sketch? And then, like, cut two, they're all in the mess hall having small river fruits. And these two people show up and it's, like, completely wonky jackets. (laughs) (laughs) But I also feel like they didn't ask her to draw it. Like, they asked her to describe it. And she goes, it's hard to describe. And then she just quietly goes to the doc. why is it hard to describe? (laughs) I don't don't know. But she just goes, doc, get me a... A bit of paper and a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just carry on a, a different conversation. At no point are we cut to Monarch going, what the fuck are you doing? I, I've asked yeah. you a question. No, why yeah. are you sitting in the corner with a pencil and paper? Just answer me. <laughs> From hitherto the most modern specimen of humanity that we have ever encountered, we can deduce the following. People don't talk anymore. They've lost any verbal communication skills. They now communicate by sketching. And... <laughs> And they all wear uniforms. <laughs> yeah. Speaking, as you were some seconds ago, about uh, enlightenment and persuasion changing into these beautiful human forms that Tegan has sketched. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. My, 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 if that isn't the first cliffhanger. Right. Time for... <laughs> Jim likes cliffhangers. <laughs> Still and need to record resolutions. that jingle. <laughs> Yes, so I've uh, spoiled all over the first one. Yeah, episode one ends with the reveal that they have morphed into human form. Boom. Yeah, doesn't, are you happy with that? Need a res- yeah, like it. It's nice in your face. Oh, shocking. Good ending. Yeah, okay. Next episode can just face. kick off. All right. Can just- <laughs> no, in your face. <laughs> yeah, next episode can just kick off wherever it needs to. Doesn't need to do any silly, oh, but he doesn't really die moment. Uh, episode two. Oh, another good ending. It's just like revelation, bygone, 
This compound is not me. Open chest, rip off my mask, pull out a circuit, <laughs> and go, this little thing here is me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what? <laughs> yeah. Mind blown. Good, Good stuff. stuff. Yeah. Well, at least Did you see that coming, by the way? Did you expect them to be robots? Uh, yes. Oh, I didn't. What Definitely dumb. before that reveal. I think I was... I had a note at the end of episode one already of, is there some kind of mind control or are they not real humans? Because of the way Monarch, he would say something, the uh, Monopticon would make a little noise and then suddenly people would do stuff. And then I think in episode two, there were were more hints about, well, we we see the gladiator getting healed, I think, don't we? So again, we don't need a silly resolution because it's just a nice in your face, bam, new stuff is happening at the end of episode two. So episode three, we get... A silly cliffhanger, because, <laughs> oh no, Doc's going to get his head chopped off by a robot gladiator. Oh, however will they get out of that? Yeah. I don't give a shit. We know he's going to get out of that. <laughs> yeah, true. Second episode reviewed on this podcast featuring decapitation, or the threat of decapitation. Only the second? Uh, well, second in a row. Oh, right. Husbands of River Song. Oh, I see. Yeah. I still haven't listened back to those. Oh, I was so exhausted during that. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And this one did need a, a resolution, which was annoying. Wait, it was annoying? Well, just in the sense that... Ugh. Nissa saves the day! How yeah, is that annoying? No it's, no, it's great that Nissa saves the day. That's fine. It's the fact that the previous episode ends with Doc for the chop from a robot gladiator. And then it's like, it has to be resolved by Nissa doing a short circuit thing. Wait, is that really? You assume that, that I did not see that coming? I, I mean, I obviously knew that Doc wasn't going to be decapitated, but I figured, well, maybe something else is going to happen. Maybe another one of the robots is going to rebel, or maybe Doc has something else up his sleeve, or, you know. Oh, no, I, to- I totally saw that. I didn't know she was going to short circuit the little thing on the, the wrist, but like she had literally just gone to Doc, can I borrow your sonic screwdriver? Yeah. I th- <laughs> completely blanked on that. Like, just totally oh, right. straight up blanked on that. Do you know what t- it ticked me off about the resolution of this, though, uh, was? It was that after she did that, Persuasion just goes, hmm, well, that's not okay. I'm going to now threaten you to come back with me. He was there on a mission to kill them. Yeah. So at this point, just shoot them. You're holding a gun. Just do that. That's number one. Number two, he gives Doc back all of his gear. <laughs> yeah, not the Sonic, but he gives him everything. Like, as... He is pointing a gun at him. Nissa walks up to him and hands him the little metal thing that resonates at a certain frequency that somehow discombobulates the monopticon. And he doesn't go, wait, what is that? <laughs> Why do you have a device that might be a weapon? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's nonsense. I think he, I think he asked Doc about the eye glass and Doc says he's really short-sighted in one eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I do think actually Adric might step in and Monarch is speaking or like communicating to Persuasion all, all throughout this and basically saying, don't harm Adric, don't harm Nyssa because she's proving resourceful. And Adric pleads that he will cooperate if Doc isn't harmed. Is that what happens at this point? Oh, I don't remember. So I, I think actually they do 
maybe just about get out of the fact that, yes, they were about to be killed and now they're not being killed. They're just being marched off somewhere. I, yeah, I personally I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't really remember. Sorry? I say I, I personally don't have a negative for that, but maybe I missed it. Okay. So uh, that was all the I see your, I don't quite have a negative. I'm going to raise you. Here's a negative for you. I'm sorry. I just interrupted you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I keep interrupting you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we just keep talking at the same time. <laughs> Okay, well, wait, hang on. I'm going to give you a negative because it is about this scene or it's about the scene to follow. Despite Adric having just seen Persuasion try to murder Doc, despite this, Adric still has not been convinced. Like, it's not until sometime in the next episode that Doc convinces him that, no, the monarch is a bad dude. Yeah, Adric's just shit. I, I don't need more negatives to that. I mean, he's already in, like, the minus thousands. <laughs> <laughs> That wraps up all the cliffhanger stuff. But I do want to jump on the Adric hating bad wagon again, just to okay, get yeah, a, yeah, let's do that. a perfect, plus point for the Doctor. <laughs> yeah, because there is. I, I don't know exactly where I've got it roughly partway through, like halfway through my notes in episode four of Adric saying, I still don't understand. And Doc saying, no, you don't, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you stupid, arrogant shit. Yeah, yeah. She's like flicking him on the nose. <laughs> Very nice. So how do you feel about rating this? Or let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Well, 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 into that bit where we summarize what we think. And apparently I'm <laughs> starting because Leon's making dancing motions and just pointing at me constantly. I'm doing my uh, dancey pointy dance. My, I'm doing my point. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, for once, have broken this down quite succinctly into likes and dislikes. So I'm going to try and get through this in a fairly speedy fashion, starting with some likes. I actually quite liked the the not quite Star Wars, but still very nice model panning intro sequence. (laughs) In the same vein of like production stuff, there was, I can't recall if we've seen it before, but it was a funky spin-out console in the TARDIS at one point that Adric called up. We did see that before. That was the console used for the chameleon secretary. Ah, okay. Still love it. It's great. Yeah, nice to gorgeous. See it. <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Just uh, general likes. I liked Bygone. I liked Monarch. I thought he was actually consistently great in his various guises throughout of whether he's being manipulative, whether he's just being bastard, whatever. Quite enjoyed the bad guy. I liked Nissa when she got a chance to be technological interesting Nissa, which as you will see see didn't always happen and i think i did like the doc when mostly when he wasn't with the companions but like i think as a general overall i do i do like him i just think there were a few negatives thrown in against him today into dislikes well i didn't like sexist adric i didn't like sulking adric i didn't like team hopping adric <laughs> <laughs> I made a little note of at one point the sulking Adric when he's basically Doc has asked him to stay behind with the other two while Doc goes and does some more investigating, I think. Or maybe he even took Tegan with him, I forget. But Adric's just like more upset about being left behind and takes his a- anger out on a the one of the monopticons. He's like, it's just such a brat. It's just horrendous. Anyway, next proper dislike being just the general roller coaster that is Tegan. I don't understand what they're trying to do with her. It just comes across as a lot of annoying stuff, which is a real shame. And as hinted at earlier, 
Yeah, a dislike in that I feel Nissa was underused. I would agree with Peter Davison that she is by far the more capable companion of these three. I would be much more interested with her getting more screen time and stuff to do. And a general dislike with not the plot per se, but the motivation and the threat posed by the Abankans. It's set up as just, yeah, humanity is on the brink of destruction. We have the reaction from Tegan that in some ways is, in my mind, terrible, but in other ways, it's nice to see her displaying some emotion and having an interaction with the Doctor that actually was kind of fitting. But anywho, like, it still just didn't feel justified that everyone's this worried about this group of computer life forms that take 20 minutes to reprogram someone and only have like i don't know 10 robot slaves to do their bidding yeah scale wasn't quite right for me that said overall i definitely enjoyed watching this serial i would not be opposed to rewatch it at some point but hey perhaps to me it's still just slightly above average into the good bracket so the number i have settled on is 3.4 wowee 3.4 you say <laughs> While you were talking about Tegan, I looked up Tegan on TARDIS Wikia to see how many episodes of Tegan we have left. Just so that you're aware. Would you like to know? Okay. <laughs> this is now the second episode of season 19. He is with the TARDIS team for the duration of the Fifth Doctor. Until oh, wow. the very end of season 21. Okay. They need to get on the development train for that character. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that sounds wise. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, all right. Very good stuff. Um, I agree with most of what you said. Possibly even all, actually, except for the number, certainly. All right. I'm going to start off with the Doctor in this one. I really enjoyed Peter Davison, more so in this one than I did in Castrovalva. One-liners. Hello again. You must be having a ball, for example, is one that I noted down. And so on. Yada, yada, yada. He's still a little too good for my taste or lacking in edge, but that might still come. Who knows? Either way, he seemed more confident, less absent than when he was being carried around in a box. What a weird serial to then shoot after this one, by the way. <laughs> the companions were largely off-putting to me here, unfortunately. Adric, he can go to hell. Nyssa was wasted. I completely agree with you. However, Nyssa and Adric exploring the ship, that was a sequence that I completely adored. I loved them trying to interact with the automatons, but failing to do so, because how can you? Going into the mobiliary chamber. I, by the way, I love the device inside there that had that sort of plexiglass hood that was used to regenerate the Greek warrior. Very cool stuff. Um, anyway, companion still. Tegan. Yeah. Wow. She showed some more talent. Great. But then all of that, I felt, was kind of undone when she left in the TARDIS. And, and that scene of her trying to maneuver the TARDIS, it just lasted so long. You know, like I was sitting right here watching the serial thinking when is this ever going to end and it's it seemed like it never would so yeah it, really not a fan bad guys you've already summarized it completely I, I i agree with you love them very interesting stuff in general i think the reason that this serial sort of wins me over is because the concepts underlying it are to me truly fascinating like what are their motivations uh, what are the motivations of the robots what must be going through their minds especially the thinking ones, obviously, as they travel across space for millennia. That's fascinating. And we get Bird Quark, Kato, seeing him brought a huge smile to my face. Oh my um, God, I can't believe I didn't put that on my like list. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, though, production value. Standing ovations. You know what? It was said so much about production value already. Enough said. Loved it. You gave this 3.4. I've written down 
4.4, and I stand by it. Dag nabbit. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Blimey. Yeah. You've actually shocked me a little bit. Like, what what would you have given us if, like, like, Tegan was a decent character, Adric wasn't a shit? (laughs) Like, this would have been, like, a 4.9 for you. (laughs) Yeah, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this, more so than the last one, is a first Doctor adventure. As in, not an adventure of the first Doctors, but it's a Doctor's first adventure. And as such, it's really interesting. Like, he's, he's getting to try out this new persona in a way he didn't the last time and it, that's interesting it's good stuff i thought yeah cool very very nice well we better find out what our listeners think about this though what an excellent suggestion sir listener minis now let's hear from podcast land max 250 or it would get out of hand well you did it you reached the listener mini section of this podcast episode you clever people yeah give yourself a pat <laughs> on the back <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if we said this already, but we have a total of 12 listener minis today. Whoop, whoop. It's quite a lot. Quite a few. quite a lot. (laughs) So we are instigating our randomizer policy of what to do with a lot of listener minis. And this time we are doing snippets. That's right. Snippets. (laughs) (laughs) But please do go to whobackone.com to read all of these minutes in their full splendor. They are freaking incredible. (laughs) We've read through all of them. So you may not hear, this is the following day, in fact, that we're recording this bit. And they are hugely insightful and not always in agreement with us. (laughs) (laughs) So please do go to the website. (laughs) Yes, of course. Like you'd, You'd be a fool to not go to the website and read all of these lovely reviews in their full splendor. But settle in for a little taster that we're about to give you. So then, first up, we've got... Stephen from, from Canada. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was perfectly in sync. How is this the sober part of the recording? <laughs> <laughs> Let's try I feel again. like Stephen maybe deserves a new jingle as well, by the way. Okay, here we go. Uh, Stephen! From Canada. (laughs) (laughs) That was absolutely incredible. I don't know if it's going to have the same payoff without the video. (laughs) But wow, that was was wonderful. (laughs) Hello, Stephen. (laughs) Hello, Stephen. Okay, we're jumping into the middle of Stephen's review for this little snippet. Snippet! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. With a story that can be summed up as anti-colonialism in space, it's great to see such diversity in the sporting cast. The groups represented are certainly groups that receive very little representation in pop culture. Further demonstration of how progressive this show could be. On the other end of the spectrum, we have Andrick's raging misogyny and the Doctor's repeated use of the term Chinaman, which gives off talons of Wang Chiang vibes, though there is clearly no ill intention this time around. Still, it is a bit telling that the Greek man got the most lines. And in summary, says Stephen, overall an entertaining yet somewhat flawed story and earns three frogmen out of five. Three out of five from Stephen! Nice one. Thank you very much, Stephen. Good stuff. Thank you, Stephen. People of the world, please go to whobackone.com and read Stephen's mini in its full splendor. Next up, it's that... Who we got, man? <laughs> it's that... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's that Mr. Corbet, Ed. Hello, Ed. How you doing, man? Hey, Ed. I don't know if we've ever worked out if you're Corbet or Corbett. <laughs> Place your bets on Ed Corbett. It's Ed Corbet or Ed Corbett. <laughs> <laughs> 
gold. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Most of that, ship it. <laughs> Press that vinyl. All right, here we go. Jumping into the middle of Ed's mini as well, Ed goes, Adric is getting worse, as it seems he is now being deliberately written annoying, rather than just letting his natural twattishness shine through. But at least he knows how time machines work, unlike Tegan, who still thinks she can be late for work. Mm, true. Nissa genuinely impresses the Doctor when she takes out the android, but lets herself be taken away for sedation without raising the slightest objection. This is a character who will later hold the redacted spoiler up at gunpoint. <laughs> the Liz Shaw problem reappears as well. Sodium chloride? A child would know this. What's photosynthesis? But with three companions, at least you can spread the stupid questions around. <laughs> <laughs> True. And what does Ed give this? Ed gives this 2.4. Holy moly. <laughs> wow. Just that snippet below average, eh? Nice one. Good stuff, Ed. Really good stuff. <laughs> this is what I meant before, like going through all these minis and realizing, wow, numerically, we are not on the same page as Podcast Land today, but that's fine. <laughs> People who are not Ed, you are hereby commanded to go to the website and read Ed's mini. Boom. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Uh, I might just, I'm in a really sing-songy mood today. Fair warning, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> okay, third out of the gate, it's Neil James. What up, Neil? Hello, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Neil starts. Great fun hearing you get to grips with Castro Valva. The Davison era is off to a great start. Thank you very much. Isn't it just? Um, mm, we're jump, like jumping to... around a little bit with Neil's review, but grouping a couple of things together of this episode, it is shit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's not really fair. It's actually a fairly mixed bag of frogs. <laughs> jump, jump, jump. Neil continues, I like how a couple of the groups on board are represented by a pair of Bond legends. Vargas from Thunderball and Mr. Ling from Goldfinger. The finale when all the different cultures get off their tits and have a massive rave is simply marvellous. I googled this after reading this because I did not make that connection. I had completely forgotten that that <laughs> Mr. Ling <laughs> is in Goldfinger. Completely like just blanked on that. And Vargas... That's bygone. Uh, I did wonder if yeah, it was he, him. He looks very different without a beard. I mean, when you know it, then you're like, oh yeah, that's the same dude. But I never oh, would have called I'd, it myself. I mean, I don't know the, the character from Thunderbolt, but of all the people that were in this serial, I wondered if it would have been bygone that was another Bond villain. Yeah. Oh, what a dude. Neil does continue, of course. Other remarkable moments are Tegan becoming a highly talented sketch artist. The frogs turning into fitties. <laughs> the violent... <laughs> shrinking of monarch and the very impressive sets but the greatest moment is the frankly hilarious scene of the doc floating out to get the tardis which includes the fight that leaves persuasion in a saturday night fever pose adric forcing himself in on enlightenment the cricket ball savior and finally adric's mental celebration <laughs> yeah thank you very much for the gift by the way neil <laughs> <laughs> Neil watched it about seven times and then rated this serial 2.6. Just a smidge above average. <laughs> Just a smidge above average, yeah. <laughs> nice one, Neil. Thank you very much. People who are not Neil, head online. Do two things. I command thee. Go to Twitter. Subscribe to Neil online. He can be found at Neil Andrazoni. Andrazoni. That's right. 
and head on over to whobackwonder.com and read his mini in its full splendor. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you, Neil. Whoop, 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 whoop. Next up, Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? <laughs> <laughs> Such wide arm-throwing gesticulations from Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hugging. I'm hugging everyone in podcast land today. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go with a little fist bump. Hey, Kieran. <laughs> Okay, from roughly the middle bit of Kieran's review as well. The TARDIS crew seem to take a long time to realise they aren't on Earth. When I would say it's fairly obvious straight away that it's not 20th century Earth from the scanner screen. I'm fairly certain that when discussing the visit times and length of journeys of Monarch, the numbers don't match up. I'm willing to bet (laughs) Kieran is totally my lord's correct about that. Uh, Kieran does continue. Tegan speaking Aborigine? Yeah, right. Also, fun fact, in the original script, it was plausible rubbish they were speaking until Janet Fielding, as an Australian, complained and insisted they actually speak in proper Aborigine, though there are, in fact, many different Aboriginal languages. So, in story, it's quite convenient that Tegan knows that one in particular. Also, apparently Tegan is a very good drawer with interesting ideas on what people wear in their spare time. Hmm. (laughs) Hmm, indeed. Yeah. And all that that humming leaves Kieran to give this two out of five shrinking frog people. Holy moly. Holy, Holy shrinking frog people, Batman. Moly. That's <laughs> pretty awesome tastic. <laughs> Spoiler alert, not the lowest rating we will be exploring today. <laughs> what? Spoiler. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kieran. People who are not Kieran, you know what to do. Head on over to Twitter. Follow Kieran. He can be found at... KJ Evans, what, Jim? Two. The number. (laughs) Also, go to whobackwonder.com and read his mini. Thanks, Kieran. (laughs) Thank you, Kieran. Who Who is next? (laughs) Oh, we're doing a duet, are we? Nice. (laughs) It's Andy Parkinson. Hello, Andy. What's up, Andy? For Andy's snippet, we are going to go and read his list of lights and beefs. Starting That's with right. the likes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The ship has a bit of Nostromo vibe. Mm. Yeah, maybe even the exterior has all those like panels. Very alien, very Ridley Scott. Nice. Um, next like. Bird Quark. Was anyone else desperate for Inspector Cluzo to come through the door? <laughs> That's not a bad point, because it's almost in keeping with maybe a little in-joke. Maybe the doctor could have a little French stumble or something like that. Either way, yeah, yeah Bird Quark, massive like. Bird Quark, yes. But it's not um, all likes in the world of Andy. There are also some boofs. First being the stupid helmets. I mean, they're <laughs> shit. They offer no protection at all. I beg to differ. Watch the cereal. Next beef. <laughs> <laughs> Adric is back to being an obnoxious git yet again. How much longer is it before Earthshock? Oh, is that the last one? Oh, sweet Christmas. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have so much excitement when Earthshock comes along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Next beef, Tegan. <laughs> the Antipodean hat is her usual grating <laughs> self. <laughs> wow. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back, Andy. <laughs> Next beef. The Doctor's spacewalk slash cricket ball scene. No, just no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you there, Andy, I think. Next one being the endless entertainment scenes. 
Why are androids trying to entertain other androids? Very good question. <laughs> and last beef, how come Bygone and Lin Futu both speak excellent English, but the Aborigine doesn't? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh l- let me clarify that. Racism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably yeah, unfortunately. Fair. And with that, the astute listeners might have realized the list of beefs quite outweighed the list of likes, so you will not be surprised with Andy summing up, I award this story 0.7, wishing I could have my memory chick ripped out so I wouldn't remember this story, out of five. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Andy. (laughs) Yeah, do not necessarily disagree with the sentiment. Disagree a bit with the rating, but sure, yeah, stuff. thank you. <laughs> but I, I, I love it. I love it regardless. People who are not Andy Parkinson, you know what to do. Head on over to Twitter, follow Andy in his spare time. Then head on over to Twitter and follow him at Caffrey's 71. That's 71. The number. That's right. Also, head on over to whobackwonder.com and read it in his full splendor. Because it's very much splendidly English. full. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got Peter Zunich. Holy moly, it's Peter Zunich. That's quite right. It's the Zoomeister himself. Peter, <laughs> we are doing basically the end of Peter's review. And it goes yeah, the a little something it. like this. Unfortunately, some major temporal retro rewrites are needed. Adric's chauvinist attitude is irrelevant to the story and seems hand-fisted into the scene. His turncoat ploy turns out to be serious, which is dumb. His arc here should have taken place during State of Decay, with his deceptive accomplicing there taking place here. Likewise... Perfect comment. Yeah. Yes. Likewise, Tegan's panic here should have happened during Logopolis. Yes, I think this is what I was struggling to say during (laughs) our entire (laughs) review. (laughs) Her displacement in Logopolis should have been for Castrovalva. Her Castrovalva leadership should have been here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Are we we all keeping up? Peter's basically playing like (laughs) musical chairs with these plot points. It's great. (laughs) Because it's it's a fairly good point because it's called progression and these people are just jumping around with different (laughs) points of their arc. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Peter continues, do that, and you've got an amazing character progression from desperate to responsible. Other characters suffer similar fates. Why does Enlightenment do hypnosis? Shouldn't that be Persuasion's area? (laughs) Such a good point. (laughs) Why is the female Earthling the only one with no lines? Uh, Sexism. (laughs) Honestly, says Peter, I love this story, but I understand why people don't. Doomsday is on the ultimate mission, but everyone's personality has got lost in the time stream. And he gives this arguably a perfect score (laughs) of 4.4. Wow. (laughs) Very good stuff. Which... Here's my friend who agrees with me. Yes, I think it's possibly the biggest hint that you should really go to whobackwen.com to read Peter's full review, because obviously we just read out what was mostly critique from a very high rating. So go find out what he loved about it. Go to whobackwen.com, read the review. God damn it. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Jim, why don't you tell me who's next? (laughs) (laughs) Every bloody time. Lag means that we say the same thing. Why? The next one is only David. Hello, David. Hello, David. David starts sort of like this, because we've skipped a little bit. 
Tegan does nothing but whine. Nyssa feels even more sidelined than usual. And Adric goes full asshole in this. He really, <laughs> he really wants to become a robot? I kept thinking the whole time he was playing a game. But he isn't. And the novelization doesn't elaborate on this at all, says David. The bit where Tegan punches him to the floor, I actually cheered. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent stuff. David continues, Apparently the guy dressed as Monarch couldn't go for a piss the whole time he was wearing the costume. There's a fact for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he did go for a piss, and you didn't want to know about it. (laughs) The idea that the Urbankans are coming to Earth for the silicon alone is interesting. Monarch being completely deluded and full of shit is unique in a villain. True. Mm. And David concludes with, me no like much, (laughs) and gives this (laughs) 2.7. Adding in a little... 2.7. Yeah, 2.7, good. Adding in a... A little P.S. that we need to make Drew watch Kinder and also given us a hint on how we say Kinder, which I needed. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much, David. A smidge higher than a smidge higher than average. Indeed. Yes. Double smidges. Thank you very much. People who are not David, guess what I'm gonna say? You should head on over to whobackwhen.com, read it in its full splendor. Oh, crap. I'm, I may have been songed out now. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David. Who's next? It's Mr. Tan Six Fingers. Well, hello there, Mr. Tan Six Fingers. How hey, do you do? there are Tans. <laughs> Tans has very kindly... Uh, reduced his format to some bullet points. Seriously, thank you so much, Tans, for providing a an actual mini, as opposed to your massive, incredibly good maxis, which unfortunately we've had to cut down in the past. So sorry that we are curtailing this mini this time as well. Here's what Tans says. First bullet point from Tans. This was apparently the first serial filmed for Peter Davison, and they weren't sure what his personality would be. So it feels a lot like it was written for Tom Baker. If you close your eyes and use your imagination, it is easy to picture Tom saying those lines. It has a very bakerish feel. Which is an interesting point, I think. Yeah, interesting. Next point that we are going to kudos to the production team for attempting to have the correct ethnic actors for the characters. However, their Australian Aborigine is from Nigeria. At least they weren't just white people in bad makeup. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> it's the little thing sometimes. Uh, Next up, why does the TARDIS translate Mandarin, Ancient Greek, and Urbankan, but not the Aborigine dialect that Tegan can understand? Yes, yes, a hundred, no, a thousand, no, a million times, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I I think, I mean, I said racism before, actually, I don't know if that's it. I I think it's only in order to give Tegan a a quality. I think that's the only reason. (sighs) I feel like you can quite easily still put it down to racism. It's just like, we don't understand that one. (laughs) We've never met an actual Aboriginal Australian. Anyway, and the last point, if Monarch's goal is to achieve faster than light travel, then why has it only taken 2,500 years to travel to Earth from another galaxy? By the way, galaxy NGC 1489 is 531 million light years away. (laughs) Jeez. <laughs> and there weren't... <laughs> yes, you, you laugh sorry. more about that. Okay, laugh, laugh, laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go for it, go for it. Go for it. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's such a good point. It is a very good point. <laughs> yeah, space be big, man. <laughs> 
Yeah, but light years. <laughs> yeah. And Tans also adds a related note of, and weren't there any other worlds closer for them to settle? <laughs> yeah, maybe just like a massive ball of silicon somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Tans gives this a rating of 2.0 spinning monopticons. Very nice. Thank you very much, Tans Six Fingers, aka Ben. Great stuff. Good. People, you are now Tans, you know what to do. Head on over to whobackwanna.com, read Tans Six Fingers Mini in its full splendor. We skipped a bunch of bullet points here. And then head on over to Twitter, find Tans Six, the number, fingers, and um, tell them how you feel about it. Indeed. Next Next up. up, it is Michael Ridgway. Ridgway. Hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. So big. So Michael's got some likes and he's got some beefs. Mm -hmm. And we're going to read just one from each. So the like is Monarch. He wants to poison the earth with a frog to steal minerals in order to visit God, who he reckons is himself. Surely a contender for the most loony bonkers scheme in who? (laughs) When you put it like that, Michael, yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a that is a perfect synopsis. Thank you very much. Michael's Boof. that we've picked out is if all but four of the robots have zero sentience, who are the recreation zone acts for? For Monarch and Co? Don't they get suicidally bored with the same acts? Are there supposed to be more acts off screen? Are these four sentient androids the four to doomsday in the title? If so, are there only four? Who would rule over Earth's other peoples? <laughs> That's like a All four for the price question. of one bullet point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good stuff. And snippet of the summary. Why did Monarch go back and forth to Earth over thousands of years? Why didn't he just extract the minerals the first time round? That's right. And Michael gives this a rating of 3.1 out of 5 loops of the 5 acts of the cultural show and the recreation so I could take before hurling myself into space without a spacesuit. Though even that doesn't appear to guarantee death. (laughs) (laughs) No escape. Thank you very much, Michael. No escape. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic mini as always. People who are not Michael, read it in its full splendor. You know where to find it. And also, high-five him on Twitter. Michael can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. No more underscore. So incredibly big. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Next up, we have Paul Waring. What up, Paul? Hello. Why, hello, Paul. First, snippety paragraph. By four to doomsday, the crowded TARDIS is clearly causing nerves to fray, with Adric demanding that Nyssa get the Doctor and declaring that women are minus and bossy. What a charmer. Tegan is starting to realise that she might never get home, and Nyssa looks like she'd rather be somewhere else. I do, however, like how the Doctor persuades Tegan to explore by pretending to offer the TARDIS key to Adric instead. See, that was a point that was raised in a few minis, in fact. We didn't read it all the time. But it's something that I didn't really pick up on in the in the serial myself. It's no. a very nice detail, but I, I mean, I really love it as a detail, but I, I did not pick pick up on that at all. I don't think I did, have uh, Yeah. Anywho, snip, snip, snip. Paul then continues, The main question on my mind throughout this story was, how did the weird helmets work? They're clearly not airtight, yet they seem to protect you in a vacuum. I'm also not entirely convinced by the physics of the cricket ball pushing the Doctor to the TARDIS, although a novel, St. Anthony's Fire, does conveniently retcon the ball as being vacuum-resistant and propulsion-powered. Hmm. What? Convenient. (laughs) 
And you know, bombs. for space cricket. <laughs> space cricket, of course. <laughs> and Paul gives this three out of five. Nice. Excellent stuff, Paul. Thank you very much. People who are not Paul, you know where to find Paul. Find Paul on Twitter at Pwaring and on whobackone.com, <laughs> where, conveniently, you can read his mini in its full splendor. And you should. Thank you very much, Paul. Yes, absolutely should. Thank you, Paul. Okay, next up next. is the penultimate. Penultimate. Ooh. Yeah. And it's from <laughs> James Ashley. Well, hello there, James. The name's Ashley. James Ashley. Oh, love it. <laughs> <laughs> James's snippets sound like this. Overall, Fort of Doomsday is one of the most chaotic serials in all of classic Who. I find the Abankans terribly bland, while Adric's character is the worst it will ever be. The sexism is just uncomfortable. Unfortunately, Tegan and Nissa get sidelined in the second half of this serial. This happens a lot more in season 19. The worst it will ever be, however, he says. So, I mean, it can only get better, you know? Indeed. James continues, One positive is that the fifth Doctor gets many opportunities to shine, and generally does, although I'm not keen on the bossiness that was featured during this serial. I'm not even going to comment on the questionable portrayals of Aborigines and Chinese Chinese cultures. Also, it can't only be me that forgot there was a Mayan leader. She did nothing. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Did she, she have very any forgotten. lines? Did she have any lines? Apparently not. No, I, I didn't recall it. And someone just pointed out that, yeah, she says nothing. So yeah, I think that's probably true. But I mean, like, not even introduce herself. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. It's Bygone who introduces her. Bygone goes, this is the queen. Can't remember her name because she did nothing, as people have pointed out. But yeah, holy moly. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, snip, snip, snip. James does give this a rating of... 1.4 out of 5. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Love it. Love it. Good stuff. Excellent this is mini. Very diverse scoring. Right? From yeah. the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, I, oh, I say this every time that we get one of these, but it's so satisfying to see so many people have so many different takes on the exact same thing. Or like, you know, appreciate the same aspects of a serial in different ways. Wonderful. Really wonderful. Anyway, thank you very much, James. People who are not James, you can find James on Twitter at James Ashley, in one word for your convenience, and on whobackone.com, where his mini can be beheld in its full glory. Thank you very much, James. Thank you, James. Next Thanks, James. <laughs> Ferrari Potter fans out there. <laughs> Next up, last up, we have Tracy, Tracy from, from America. America. <laughs> Hello, Tracy. <laughs> Hello, Tracy. And the middle portion-ish of Tracy's review sounds something like this. What the F, Adric? I just stuck up for you in the last serial. Why are you being such an ass to Tegan and about women in general? Do not take this shit lying down, Tegan. I guess we know whose fault it was that the women of Kashavala were so boring. Hmm. <laughs> That's such a good fight. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really interesting point, actually. Adric's brain, <laughs> brain just went, yeah, women are shit. Let's just have them stood around <laughs> yeah. watching stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe, can we gloss over some of these characters? I'm really, I'm really tired. I'm knackered from being tied up in this weird master web. Yeah, good theory. Uh, Tracing continues. 
Story-wise, this is quality sci-fi. Who are they, we wonder, this odd collection of people? Are they being controlled? How? The vibe is a bit like the Spaceship UK with Amy Pond. Something is clearly off and the danger feels very real. The resolution is interesting, if not too terribly exciting. Indeed. Which leaves Tracy with a rating of eight-sided rhinoceros. Spot on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Fully understand <laughs> what you mean. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> People who are not Tracy, fret not. There's still hope for you. You can head on over to whoback1.com and you can read this mini in its full splendor. There are plenty of bits that we didn't read out this time. And when you're done with that, please high five Tracy online. She can be found at that's fountain tracy backwards almost Almost. (laughs) we are really out of sync all of a sudden and that's it that's it for listening minis whoop whoop awesome stuff but the fun doesn't end here plenty more who to come indeed it does not stop because next up we will have a new who i believe leon which is that's right. It will be the return of Dr. Mysterio. It's a re-review, so be sure to listen to our first review of it, which was like an instant reaction review. And you can find it on the website or on Twitter. You know how podcasts work. Then we will most likely have a classic, which will be Kinder. That's not right. <laughs> it's kind of Kinder. I don't know. Or it's Kinder Kinder. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And we will be sure to tell Drew to watch it. In fact, I already have told him. After that, we're going to probably jump into bonus territory. Not immediately after that, but at some point we're going to have a bonus who review. We don't really know which audio to review yet because the next bonus is going to be the next audio. It will be Strange Readings, the Who Back When Doctor Who audio adventure. Um, oh, so exciting. Which is starting production really super duper soon. Yeah. Wow. Super duper soon, in fact. Oh, 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 oh getting excited. <laughs> so, well, that's what's coming up next. This has been For to Doomsday. <laughs> Forgot the title of this <laughs> <laughs> The Doctor will return. <laughs> kinda. No, I really want it to be called Kinda. <laughs> but you don't have to let your who back when listening end there. You can, of course, go to the website and peruse the visual index of fun stuff, which you yeah. all know about. Listen to it but, with your eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. More <laughs> importantly, though, if you care about such things, you can follow myself and Leon on Twitter. Leon, where can they follow you? Oh, thank you so much for asking. People can find me on Twitter at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Follow me, Ponken. then ask me why that's my Twitter handle. Where are you online? Where am I online? Well, I'm only under the umbrella of Jimmy the Who. Ooh, nice branding. Why, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Okie dokie, that's it. Show's over, folks. Uh, yeah, you don't leave have to the go theater. home. <laughs> But you can't stay here. (laughs) It's been lovely filling your earballs with pleasure. Stay safe out there. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. wait. It's been lovely filling your earballs with pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, that's a t-shirt. We're going to have, it's going to be like, it's going to be a drawing of you. In front of a podcast mic, shirtless. <laughs> and that quote, great. Anyway, it's been lovely attempting to entertain you. Stay safe out there, look after each other, and see ya. Yeah, rock on. Ciao, ciao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey! 
Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?